Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have you joining with us there online, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, any of those platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share, subscribe there on YouTube. Uh, that way you'll get those notifications and it also helps uh, the more you subscribe there. Uh, so we have lots of people who watch, uh, not sure how many, how, how many of all those have subscribed, but I encourage you to do that because that just helps also to get the word uh, out to your friends and to your friends' friends. Uh, so welcome to those of you who are listening there. If you have a prayer request tonight, we want to encourage you to go to Facebook. Uh, that's where we'll be watching the live uh, for any requests that you may have. And then also just want to say welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. Thank you for joining with us tonight. Also, if you need that number, we'll be glad to give that to you. You can call the church office. You can see me after the service. We'll be glad to give that to you. If you do have access to the church website, we encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com, uh, go under the info tab there, and it's under the info tab uh, that you'll find uh, the worship bulletin uh, for this week. You'll find the children's worship bulletins uh, there also, so I encourage you to take the time to download those if you can. If you need them in person, they're in the windowsill. Uh, to my right, the children's worship ones are. The regular bulletins are at, door, at the doors as you uh, enter and leave tonight. So be sure to grab one of those. And while you're there on the church website under the info tab, download the prayer list for tonight so you can follow along with us as we go through the prayer requests there. Um, uh, so again, let me just emphasize that. Give your requests there on Facebook. You can do it on any of the other platforms, but we'll only see it for the live on Facebook. So I uh, also want to encourage you, if you uh, are there on the church website, go to that far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. You can do your online giving for your regular uh, budget offering giving. You can also do uh, your Lottie Moon Christmas offering giving. We're going to see some more uh, about Lottie Moon Christmas offering here in just a moment. Uh, we emphasized our missionaries uh, this past week, uh, who we shared a video with you, but uh, we also want to encourage you to be using the prayer guide uh, to be praying for uh, our international missionaries and praying about what God would have you to give uh, towards our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, so if you would prayerfully watch this video uh, of one of our missionaries who is serving and impacting lostness uh, together around this world. I kind of see part of my story like Joseph. God brought them out of something that at the beginning of the story makes no sense. Even in the middle of the story, you sometimes wonder, God, what are you doing? It's an isolated country run by a military government and under civil war for the last 60 years. I had to live in a hotel. We weren't allowed to go very many places. We were even watched and followed sometimes. I was able to get permission to live up there teaching English. So I started having this Bible study. Within a year, we had baptized believers. I knew that's where I was supposed to be. One morning I got to the school, another friend pulls into the compound just frantic. There were investigators. I just been kicked out of my country. I felt lost. I knew where my heart wanted to be, but I had to trust that God had a reason and I have to be okay with not knowing why. I was in a neighboring country. I was in this big city. I went to the market to buy some food. All of a sudden, I hear the language of my people. And I realize there are about a half a million of them living in my country. 
They come here just overwhelmed with life in the big city. I felt a lot like they were. I was a refugee. I was in a country I didn't want to be in, but I couldn't go back. Some of them found community in a local church here, and I went to the pastor of that church and asked him, what were the needs here? And after some discussion, he said, what we need is a Bible school in this city, how to share their faith, how to start a church. I don't know how to start a school. If I need to learn a new skill, I'll learn a new skill. The first day of school, I had 50 students show up. They just kept coming and coming, with little or no sleep, just because they're hungry to learn. And at this point, they're reaching their own people. And they go to a different part of the city to share their faith with factory workers, many of whom have never heard the name of Jesus, show them love, share Christ with them, and plant the gospel seed. Reforms are happening in the country I was banned from. They have new leaders now. I've been granted entry, and I'm making plans to move back again. Looking back on all this, I see that wherever God wants me to be, that's where I feel like I'm home. Wow. At home in exile. And what a powerful story there of how God is using uh, our missionaries around the world uh, and their faithfulness to serve even in the midst of the trials and tribulations that they face. So I want to encourage you to be praying about helping us to reach our church goal. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for this and then I'll ask for the mic to come and lead us in our congregational music. Heavenly Father, thank you for missionaries like this that we've heard. Lord, that even though things change uh, and plans change, Lord, you uh, it never changes for you. Uh, Lord, you knew that this was going to happen before it ever did, and so you made a way that there could be the gospel going forward uh, through these missionaries. Father, we pray that you will bless them as they're serving. Bless us, Lord, uh, as we pray uh, throughout this month for our Lighting Moon Christmas offering as we pray about giving. Uh, Lord, we all can't go to all of those places around the world. In some of those places, we probably wouldn't be admitted. And so, Father, I praise you and thank you for this young lady who was uh, able to be able to go back to uh, the country she was uh, banned from. And, Father, we just pray that you will continue to open up the opportunities there for people to hear the gospel. And, Lord, lay upon our hearts about giving uh, towards this offering so that there can be more missionaries uh, who can go in our place. For we can do so much more together with other churches through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering than we could ever do by ourselves. So bless us, Lord, that we might be a blessing to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn 100, Angels We Have Heard on High. Don't have it. Okay. Hymn 100. you got to turn to the book. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountain every fire echoes. 
Hopefully at home you had the opportunity to get your prayer list uh, downloaded there. I've got some notes scribbled everywhere, <laughs> so that's what I'm uh, looking at here uh, with the envelope that I've got up here. Uh, let me just go through and, and we'll just highlight a few of these real quickly uh, because we want to get into our Bible study tonight. We've got a lot of things going on and our kids will be back in here uh, at about 7 o'clock to run through choir practice with us for uh, this coming Sunday evening. So I want to encourage you, if you can, uh, come out this Sunday evening for our Christmas program. Uh, you're going to be wonderfully, wonderfully blessed. Uh, the choir is doing an awesome job. The kids, from what I hear, they're doing awesome. And so we're looking forward to that uh, this coming Sunday. Just pray for people uh, to stay healthy. Uh, I know we've got several kids that are out tonight because of, of sickness in their families. Uh, so uh, as you look at the Highland Baptist Church uh, family side there, uh, just want to continue to remember Rick German uh, in your prayers as he's recovering from his surgery. Uh, Jack Doubt still is waiting on uh, more results back to know what they're going to do uh, with him with his leukemia. Uh, also remember Brian Tate with his medical issues. Tony Rogers is recovering well from his surgery, uh, and so keep him in your prayers. Jimmy Marlowe 
uh, has been in rehab down at Winchester, and he's doing really good through that, so hopefully he'll be uh, home soon. And then Robert Everett, his surgery got delayed. It's going to be the 18th, so remember that. Uh, you may want to mark that down. Keep that in your prayers. He's doing double knee replacement surgery. And then we've moved Cindy Jordan from the nursing home list because she's no longer in the nursing home uh, there. She will be having some other uh, procedures done later this month, some follow-up tests uh, with surgeons. So keep her in your prayers uh, as we lift her up in prayer. Any other Highland Baptist Church family updates? We'll come to the nursing home part here in just a little bit. But. Okay, um, and I don't have Facebook open. Does anybody in here, if you can let me know if there's a prayer request there. Uh, Want to remember on our friends and family uh, side, um, if you'll remember Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's uh, brother, keep him in your prayers uh, with his continued issues. Uh, Charles Miller, uh, who is uh, Matt Kohler's uncle, who is scheduled for a triple bypass kidney infection and UTI. Uh, not sure how he's doing with his procedure that he's had done, but keep him in your prayers. Uh, Linda Ray, as well as Doug Ray. Uh, Linda has some medical issues. Doug is recovering uh, from surgery, so keep him in your prayers as he continues to heal. Uh, Laura Hendricks, who is Becky Moffat's daughter, uh, I think she told me she was having her third one done, her third treatment today. Uh, so keep her uh, in your prayers as she's about halfway through uh, her treatments, and so keep her in your prayers. And then Sandy McKinney. Uh, family medical issues there, and that's a request from Judy Stockdale. Uh, and then Ms. Rima gave me one uh, tonight, Andy Taylor, who is Nancy Ritchie's brother. Uh, they found that he has a form of cancer, so want to keep him in your prayers and Nancy uh, and her husband in your prayers uh, also. And then up at the top, uh, let's see, is it the top notes about middle ways. I probably should have started there. Christine Cranford. Uh, Miss Patricia Durham's mom, uh, she called today, Miss Patricia did, to let us know that she's uh, going to be having a radiation treatment. Uh, she's uh, not doing all that well, so <clears throat> that's going to be on Friday at 12 o'clock, so keep them in your prayers as she goes through that. That's Christine Cranford uh, on your friends and family side. Any other friends and family that we may need to add? All right, and then we've switched around several uh, on the nursing home list because some of them have moved uh, to different places. Uh, so we have Mary Campbell at NHC, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care of Tullahoma. Uh, Susie Barton is now at NHC Tullahoma Rehab. Uh, Miss Birdie Davis is still at uh, Brookdale. Uh, she was not good enough to come yesterday to, or well enough yesterday to come to Prime Timer, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Miss Janet Carter had had some issues recently uh, with the fall, so keep her in your prayers. And, and I was told today by Lynette that uh, one of her friends in the nursing home there at MacArthur Manor uh, passed away. So it's been a, a difficult time for Miss Janet. So keep her uh, in your prayers through that. And then uh, Floyd and Sue Prince, uh, there's been some things going on with them also. So keep them in your prayers. Uh, and then Miss Beverly Daniels, she's at Manchester Rehab. So want to remember her uh, in your prayers. That's where she was at least a, a couple of days ago. Any other updates on any of those on our nursing home list? Any other updates or add additions or any you want to add now? Okay. Do we have anything on Facebook, Ms. Rima, that you see? Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then for these prayer requests. 
uh, and we'll move right on into our Bible study in Zechariah chapter 8. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and the blessings of this day. And Lord, we know that as we are gathered here uh, tonight, Lord, uh, <clears throat> as there are those who we are celebrating with, with family uh, around us at this time of year, uh, at Christmas, Lord, there are others uh, who are not celebrating. There are others who are, who are hurting in their hearts. And so, Father, we just want to pray and ask for you to embrace them in your love and your grace and your mercy. Uh, Father, as we come before you, we recognize that <clears throat> you are a holy and a righteous God. We ask forgiveness of our sins. We ask that you would hear our prayers, Lord, and that you would answer in a powerful way, especially for those, Lord, who are, who are having those difficult times not having their loved one uh, to be with them during the holidays and so much that brings up uh, so many memories of the past. And so, Father, I just pray that you will strengthen them and help them to keep pressing forward one moment at a time, one day at a time uh, as they go into the future. And Father, there are many that we have prayed about and, and added even tonight uh, on our prayer list that uh, are sick, uh, who still need uh, your healing hand, uh, some who have some new diagnoses. And Father, we know that there's none of these situations that are too big for you to handle. Uh, all of them together are not too big for you to handle. And so, Father, we uplift them all to you. Uh, and we ask, Lord, that you would just touch these individuals, be with their families, be with their caregivers. And Father, I pray that you'll give them wisdom and discernment for their care. But we know that you're the great physician. And we just ask God for you to bring the healing they need to their bodies, Lord, to help them to, to recuperate those who have, who have maybe fallen, those who are still going through rehab, others, Lord, who uh, have some upcoming surgeries. We pray that you'll just give them a peace in their hearts that passes all understanding, to know they're in your hands, uh, and Lord, that you will keep them uh, safely uh, with you, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And so, Father, we just want to uplift all of these to you. And Lord, we don't know the spiritual condition of each person on this list. Some uh, we, we believe may be saved, others we don't know. And so, Father, we pray that if there are any on this list that we're praying for who don't know Christ as their Lord and the Savior, we pray, God, that through these situations they're going through, Lord, may there be nowhere else for them to turn but to Jesus. And Father, I pray that you'll use this to bring about good into their lives as they trust in Jesus. Lord, we know that even when we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean necessarily uh, that all of our, ails, our ailments and our, our, our worries and our troubles will be gone, but you will be there with us through those things, and we can call upon you uh, as we need you. And so, Father, we pray that uh, you will just be with each one of these individuals to let them know that you're with them, to let them know that we're praying for them, that they are not forgotten, but that you do love them and you do care for them. Father, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. We continue to pray for a peace in their hearts. We continue to pray for comfort to their souls. And Father, we pray that those who are in Christ, Lord, may these families receive comfort and peace in knowing uh, that their loved one is with you and, and that if they are with you and you are with us, we're not far from one another. Help them, Lord, to hold on to those precious memories, uh, especially uh, here at this time of year. And so, Father, we pray also that you would be with us tonight as we study your word. Make it be a powerful passage tonight that would speak truth into our hearts and into our lives. I pray, God, that you would use it uh, to renew us and to transform us as we trust in your faithfulness, uh, not in our own selves, but knowing, Lord, that you are faithful even when we are not. So bless your word tonight. May it go forth and not return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 8. Uh, 
Uh, we're actually going to just hit a real quick review uh, back into chapter 7 because actually chapter 8 is the conclusion of uh, this message here in chapter 7. Uh, last week's message was entitled Transformed, uh, and we're continuing with that emphasis of transform uh, that we need to trust God's faithfulness. So we saw last week that the reality in life is that when you're having a party, when you're having a celebration or a picnic, somebody else somewhere is having a funeral. Uh, when you're having a funeral, somebody else somewhere is having a party. Uh, and at the moment when you're celebrating the greatest joys in your life, somebody else is experiencing their greatest sorrows. And, and so here's the good news about our God and what we learn from chapter 7 and into chapter 8 also is that God can take our funerals and transform them uh, into celebration. He can take our mourning and turn it into dancing. He can take our sorrows and transform them into joys. Uh, he can take our times of fasting and turn them into seasons of feasting. And that's what we learned in chapter 7. We learned that He transforms us from fasting to feasting in chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 3, and then also in chapter 8, at the very end of chapter 8, uh, verses 18 down through verse uh, 23. Now, if you remember, chapter 7 uh, began two years after chapter 6. The temple's about halfway through the construction. That delegation of men came, uh, from, came to Jerusalem from the outlying towns uh, of Bethel to ask Zechariah and the other priests and the prophets who were there, do we keep fasting? Do we keep on mourning? Do we keep on remembering uh, that our city, Jerusalem, was torn down and that the temple was torn down? Do we keep on fasting now that the temple is being rebuilt? And you'll remember as we looked at that, there were four extra fasts that they had added. There was only one that God required, but they had added four uh, besides that Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur fast. And the answer God eventually gave them at the end of chapter 8 in verse 18 and verse 19 was that a day was coming when all of Israel's fasts were going to become seasons of joy, uh, seasons of gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. All of Israel's fasts were going to be turned into feasts. And so God promises the people uh, that, that there's going to be people who are going to come from all over the world uh, one day just to experience the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then we saw that not only uh, does God turn our fasting into feasting, He also transforms us from serving ourselves to serving Him. Because the nat natural inclination of our sinful selves is to serve us. And we saw that in chapter 7, verse 4 through verse 7. And so when those men came to Zechariah and asked, should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we've done these many years? After asking this, the men discovered that the Lord had some questions of His own. Uh, and so you remember if you read those verses there uh, that w he said, when you fasted and when you lamented, when you wept in the fifth month and in the seventh months for these 70 years, did you really fast for me? And, and so the tone of the question seems to imply uh, its own answer, no. Uh, the people were not truly fasting for the Lord. And, and so then the Lord makes it even clearer and says, when you eat or when you drink, don't you eat and drink simply for yourselves? And so God takes that occasion of their question to reveal what is truly in the hearts of the people. And yes, they were fasting. They were fasting faithfully in the fifth month and during those other times that they had set aside. But their religious activity was designed primarily 
to please themselves. They were serving themselves instead of serving God. And their fasting four times each year had become like a meaningless tradition, uh, idolatry even. You know, our attachment to traditions usually shows up the most powerfully when we're asked to break that tradition. You know, there are beautiful reasons for some traditions, but they are just traditions. It, it may be nice, it may be a meaningful thing, but it's non-essential until the pastor or somebody else comes along and wants to change things. The danger of any religious tradition, uh, whether it's keeping a fast or, or singing a certain way or, or praying with certain words at a certain time in a certain way, is that tradition generally and easily uh, degenerates into traditionalism. You know, we need to come to the place, as we talked about last time, that we are able to say, Lord, I want to serve you, not myself. I don't want to just go through the motions. When I pray, I want to communicate uh, with you. When I fast, uh, I want to prepare my heart to meet with you. And some of us have to pause there for a moment and think, when's the last time I fasted? It's a good practice as a believer uh, to, to take part in, to fast before the Lord because it helps you to prepare your heart to meet with Him. He also said we ought to come to that place when we worship that we say, Lord, when I worship, I don't want to just come to church and stand up and sing a song and sit down and listen to the message. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your heart. And God wants to transform us. God wants to transform us from, feasting, from fasting to feasting. He wants to transform us from serving ourselves to serving Him. And He wants to transform us from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness. You see that in verse 8 through verse 10. And so Zechariah reminded the people <clears throat> that their forefathers had been very faithful in their appearance uh, when practicing their religious rituals in the temple. But they had failed to pursue God's righteousness in their hearts. Uh, he told them that there were several things that they could do to show uh, the change that had happened in their hearts. He said, here are some tests you can see. Uh, treat others fairly. Uh, show kindness, mercy, uh, love, and compassion to one another. Thirdly, he said, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, the stranger, uh, or the poor. And then he says, don't take advantage of other people or seek revenge in verse 10. But the whole point of those things and those tests were to show the people that we can pursue religious activity all day long and yet still be far, very far from God in our hearts. Because too many times our faith is almost like for decorative purposes only. It may be attractive, it may be impressive on the outside, but, but on the inside is sinfulness and selfishness that remains, just like the Pharisees. I mean, they were religious people. They studied the Old Testament. They knew it backwards, they knew it forward. Paul was one of those who was a Pharisee. He knew God's Word. Uh, in the Old Testament. And, and yet the Bible says that when Jesus spoke to those Pharisees, he, he said, uh, you, you're at fault because you cleaned the outside of the cup and, and the plate, but you left the inside filled with greed and, and selfishness. Uh, but it's through the transforming work of the gospel that we can be transformed. And he talks about that, how, how we, we can be like whitewashed sepulchers on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. 
So uh, Zechariah has shown us that we can be transformed from feasting to fasting, from serving ourselves to serving him, from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness. And also God can transform us from listening to our desires to hearing his voice. And you see that in verse 11 down through verse 14. Uh, and you read those verses again there and, and God brings that accusation to them that they had been unwilling to listen to God's voice. In fact, he says, you refused to pay attention. We have to be careful of that even as believers ourselves uh, to, to refuse to pay attention. He goes on to describe it and says, they turned a stubborn shoulder. It's kind of like they're turning their back to God, if you will. Uh, they, they stopped and closed up their ears like a kid sticking fingers in their ears. I don't want to hear, la, 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 I don't want to hear what you got to say, God. Uh, they, they made their hearts diamond hard or, or rock hard. And, and so God's response, as we saw as we finished this message last week, is that he became angry with the people. He stopped listening to Israel when they called on him. And ultimately, he scattered them uh, with a windstorm. And now when we come to chapter 8... We find that not only can we be transformed from fasting to feasting, from serving ourselves to serving Him, from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness, and from listening to our own desires to hearing His voice, we can also be transformed from trusting our own capabilities to trusting His faithfulness. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 8 verse 1 down to verse 17, because in this chapter, the prophet begins to tell the people exactly what God is going to do as he's going to transform their fasting to feasting. Now, you go to the end of chapter 8, and he says that's what's going to happen. But how do they get to that point? How do they get to the feasting? He says, here's some things that are going to happen. In the opening verses, he reminds his people of his jealous love for Zion, which is another term for Jerusalem. And so these words are pointing back to God's declaration of his holy jealousy for his people and for his city that we see back in chapter 1 and verse 14. And that jealousy is what moves God to a righteous anger and judgment. So look at verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 8. And the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. So in these verses that follow, God is going to make some promises to his people, revealing his faithfulness to accomplish what they and what we are incapable of doing on our own. And so here's what he says is going to happen first. He says he will return to return them to Jerusalem in verse 3. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So the Lord himself is going to return to Jerusalem. So the Lord's return to Jerusalem is a, is a recurring theme all throughout Zechariah. And that promise is especially anticipating the personal reign of Jesus Christ on the throne of David during the millennial kingdom. What we read about in the book of Revelation of Jesus setting up his millennial kingdom on this earth. That's what he's talking about here in this prophecy, that he is going to come and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem that will be called the faithful city, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And so what we see here is that all the promises made in the verses that follow are going to have their fullest completion 
in the future. Now, there's some, there's some completion of parts of it in Zechariah's day uh, and when Jesus himself comes the first time as the suffering servant born in the lowly manger and lives the perfect sinless life, dies on the cross, is buried in the tomb and arises on the third day. But the ultimate fulfillment of this will be out still in the future. And so he says that he is going to return to Jerusalem. He says in returning to Jerusalem, he's going to bless the residents of the city with both long life and new life. So look at verse 4 and verse 5. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Now, think about this, and, and you're thinking about this imagery here. He says there's going to be old people uh, who are going to be uh, old men and old women who are going to be sitting in the streets of Jerusalem with staffs in their hand because of their great age. But he says also in the middle of the streets, there's going to be lots of children, boys and girls, who are going to be running around uh, playing in, in the streets. You know, when, when a community or even a church is filled with only seniors, it's a sign that youth and liveliness have left. But even in some countries uh, with a very low age, though, uh, that actually can be a bad sign, uh, showing that very few people have lived to old age. And so God tells the people of Jerusalem, you're going to have both. You're going to have those who are up in age, uh, and, and he's talking about those who have had experiences here, who have wisdom that, that the younger generations can learn from, but you're also going to have the vitality of life in these boys and girls who are going to be running around the streets. Every church ought to be that way, having a, a, a diversity of ages within the church. If a church is only reaching those who are, who are adults and we're never reaching kids, then we're not reaching the next generation. And when this generation passes off the scene, there's no one left uh, to continue with the church. And so you see many churches across our nation and some even around the world uh, that have to close their doors because they failed to reach the community around them. And so there has to be a balance of, of ministering and reaching uh, to both. And, and so God says you're going to have both. You're going to have people who are going to live long, and your city is going to be filled with children as well. Praise God for the children we have in the building tonight. Sometimes it can be the biggest headache in the world, and you're stressed with, with taking care of those kids and leading those kids. I know our Awana teachers uh, get that way sometimes. But what a blessing it is to hear those little children uh, up and down the halls. You hear their voices. You see their presence. You see the life and vitality. That makes those of us who are older uh, feel, feel even more refreshed uh, in our hearts and in our lives. And so he says you're going to have both. And then uh, if you look there at verse 6, in verse 6 he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. So what's he talking about in verse 6? God is pointing out uh, that his intentions toward his people may seem incredible to the remnant of this people in those days. Yet in the same verse he says, should it also seem incredible to me? And the implied answer is, there is nothing, including all of the blessings promised to his people here, that is too hard for the Lord. 
the Lord can provide those and, and those that live to old age, and He can provide those who are in their youth, uh, who, who bring that vitality and life into the body uh, of believers. And so uh, that's the emphasis here is that there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord is what he's saying in verse 6. It may seem marvelous to you, but it's not marvelous to the Lord. Uh, it's, not it's not impossible uh, with the Lord. And so he says also that he will bring the nations to Jerusalem and make them his own. Look at verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. And I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So, so God's plan has always been, even back in the Old Testament, to bring the nations far beyond Israel to himself. So, so, the, so the Great Commission is not a novel idea to the New Testament only. Uh, in the Old Testament, Israel themselves were to be a blessing to the nations, were to proclaim uh, God to the nations and to make Him known uh, throughout the nations so that those nations would come to the Lord uh, because they were to be a shining light. And, and by shining the light of His goodness and His mercy uh, throughout the Jewish nation, God desired the Gentiles to come to Him. And it's through Jesus Christ the Messiah now that everyone can come to the living God. And so uh, there was a fulfillment of this in Jesus' coming, but there's still an ultimate fulfillment of it yet to be out in the future, that the nations from the, from the north, from the south, from the east and the west are going to come to Jerusalem because as we saw before uh, in the end of chapter 8, uh, they're going to see that God is moving and they're going to be like, we want a part of that. We want to be uh, there where the Spirit of God uh, is moving. We want to experience that. And then fourthly, he says, in coming to Jerusalem, he's going to bring peace and productivity and power to his people. Look at verse 9 down through verse 13. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. You who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for beast, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, it declares the Lord of hosts. For there shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all things. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. So in verses 9 through verse 11 there, the Lord is encouraging the peoples to let their hands be strong so that they could complete the work of building the temple, fulfilling the words that the prophets had spoke when the foundations had been laid. So it's a reference back to the prophetic ministries of Zechariah and Haggai. And that work of rebuilding had, had been unproductive. Remember, they laid the foundation and it stopped. 
Uh, it, it had been dangerous also in those early stages. Uh, they didn't have protection. Uh, but now God promises a different outcome for His people. He says this remnant of Israel is going to be blessed, and they are going to be blessed so they can be a blessing to the nations. That's what God has done for us. He sent His Son, Jesus, to forgive us of our sins. And he, he has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to the nations. That's what the Great Commission is all about, us sharing the good news of the gospel to be a blessing to the nations. And so he says that he is going to come and drive away the fear that they have experienced. And that's what verse 14 goes on to say. So at the end of verse 13, he said, fear not. Now in verse 14 he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, As I purpose to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and that was because of their disobedience, he said, I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. So again I have purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Again he says, fear not. Now you remember when we talked before about studying the Bible, when you see something repeated in a short time of space in, in verses or a chapter, that's something to pay attention to. So this is the second time now he says, fear not. Not because of their own strength, not because of them. In fact, he's told us before, it's not by our power, it's not by our might, but it's by his spirit, thus says the Lord. And so we need to be depending upon the Lord. And so he says, fear not at the end of verse 15. He says, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oath, for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And so if you remember, it was because of their forefather's sin, because of their rebellion that God had judged them and given the people a reason to fear. But just like he had been resolved to bring judgment for their sin, he says, I'm also, I have that same emphasis of resolve in my, in my life to, to, to bring blessing, to bring good to the people of Judah and to the people uh, of Israel. So the verb resolve there, uh, used in both verses, uh, gets its meaning from the idea of talking to oneself in a low voice in order to arrive at a conclusion. So by using this word, God is indicating here that his decision uh, to, to do good to Judah was a deliberate decision. It was a fixed decision. It was a settled decision. Uh, in other words, there was nothing for them to have to be afraid of that, that God was going to flip and change his mind and come back against them again. Uh, he says, I'm, I'm just as resolute to bring blessing to you. And so we saw that in verse 16 and verse 17. He warned against those, the, repeating those kinds of, of evil and dishonesty that had gotten their forefathers into the trouble to begin with. And so that's what they were doing. They were cheating people. They were mistreating people. They were mistreating the widows and the orphans. Uh, they, they were uh, devising evil in their hearts against others. And so the prophetic words that fall between the question that they had asked at the beginning of chapter 7, uh, should we continue with our fast or not, and then the part in chapter 8 and verse 19 where God promises to replace his people's fasting with feasting, it is a strong reminder in the middle there that in the midst of our brokenness, because that's where Israel was, they were broken. 
they were discouraged. And so in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of heartbreak, understand this, the message to Israel was, and the message to us is, is that God can do a renewed work of transformation. He meets us in our broken places to transform us from serving ourselves to serving Him, from pursuing empty religion to pursuing His righteousness, from listening to our own desires to listening to His voice, and from depending on our own capabilities to trusting His faithfulness. I read a story about a guy whose family had discovered they had a lemon tree in their backyard. One summer as they were walking near this, this man was walking near this tree, he saw that its biggest limb had broken. In fact, the limb was broken at least three quarters of the way through the whole branch. Uh, when he saw that cracked limb, he immediately, uh, in his reaction, was to go, thought was to go get his saw, uh, cut that broken limb uh, off. But when he noticed, he noticed something there, that, that on that branch there were, there were lemons all over this broken limb, and the leaves were still green. So he picked all the lemons off of that limb. He filled a large basket uh, with the fruit. A few weeks later, he went out again to the tree, and the break had gotten even bigger. But now there was more and more lemons uh, on that branch that, that had been broken. And so again, uh, he harvested another basket full of lemons. All summer long, he said, he kept getting fruit off of that broken limb. It was by far, he said, the most productive limb on that tree. In fact, he said, because the limb had bowed itself to the ground, he said that he was able to get even more fruit off of it than, than he could have if it had been standing up straight. That limb is a reminder for us that the, of, of the Lord and from the Lord that just because we're broken doesn't mean that we can't still bear fruit. Just because uh, you've experienced times of devastation in your life, like the nation of Israel, they'd experienced so much devastation. But just because you experience devastation in your life and just because you've gone through seasons of fasting, those, those times when life becomes lean and, and, and when you're sorrowful, it doesn't mean that God can't still use you for incredible things. The Lord can take those times of brokenness in our lives, those times of fasting, and transform them into seasons of feasting if we trust in Him and not in ourselves. That's the message that, that Zechariah is bringing to the people of Israel in the conclusion of chapter 7 and chapter 8, that it's not over yet. God still has a plan for you, even in your brokenness. He wants to use you. And the question is, will you allow him to use you? Or will you stand with fingers in your ears, I don't want to hear what you got to say, God, because it may mean some changes in your life for you to experience the blessing of transformation that he wants to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful message from Zechariah that concludes in chapter 8. Father, I pray that you will help us to realize from this passage that <clears throat> there is the gift of transformation that is awaiting for each one of us. 
Lord, every one of us who are here tonight, those who are watching online, I would dare to say that there's not a one of us who would want to experience your blessings. To move from where we are, uh, of fasting, of sorrow, of, uh, of devastation in our lives, of hurting, of brokenness. Lord, for that to happen, there's some changes that maybe need to be made in our lives. So, Father, I pray that we would humbly come before you and say, Lord, here I am. Take me and use me and change me for your kingdom purposes. Whatever it takes, do it in my life that I can be used by you. And so, Lord, bless your word in our hearts and in our lives tonight. May we go forth from this place tonight, Lord, knowing that even in our brokenness, you still have a plan for us. You still want to use us. May your blessings be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. What a powerful message there from Zechariah. So I encourage you to continue studying there. <clears throat> we'll be back there again next Wednesday night before we finish up for Christmas. So uh, thank you so much for joining with us. We will be back this coming Sunday online there. If you can't be with us in person, we encourage you to join us. Uh, 1030 for worship, 915 if you want to come and join us in person for Sunday school. And then don't forget, especially next Sunday night, put it on your calendar, write a little note so you don't forget it. Next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, will be our Christmas cantata, a Highland Baptist Christmas, a journey of faith. <clears throat> and so it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time of you hearing uh, God's Word through the, through the wonderful ministry of music. And so encourage you to be here if you can. It's going to be a blessing, more of a blessing in person than it will be uh, online. But if you can't be here, please join us on any of those platforms this Sunday night. You have a blessed week. Stay safe. We'll see you this coming Sunday.